Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. Today I have with me a guest um, whose name is Amir Kirkuti. Amir is a wonderful, light-hearted coach, entrepreneur, family man, dad, wonderful all-round human being as far as I can see. Amir, would you introduce yourself to people, please? I think you did a pretty good job. I, uh, man, where do I begin? So yeah, I am a father. That's first and foremost. I have a little daughter, two and a half years old that mm. I absolutely adore. And, uh, during the day, I own a chain of restaurants here in San Diego, and I work at a recovery center as well. And I've written a few books on the three principles and married to a beautiful woman named Holly and just living a wonderful life, to be honest with you over here. So thank you for the introduction and for having me. Oh, you're so welcome, Amir. You know, you know that this sort of the name of this podcast is Unashamedly Human. And I'm just really curious about what does that mean to you? Unashamed, I can't even say it, unashamed, unashamedly dibbly human. <laughs> dibbly, dibbly, dibbly. Dibbly, dibbly human. <laughs> what does that mean to me? Well, I will tell you that, you know, when I was younger, I didn't, I moved around a lot. My parents, you know, it was in 1979 when I was born and they had to leave Iran and uh, it was during the war. So they left, the revolution, I should say, they left and I had to move. Mm -hmm. Literally, I would, I would get comfortable at a school at a young age and my parents would say, we gotta pack up and go to another country or another city. So midway between schools, I would leave from elementary school, junior high, high school, I was constantly leaving. I'm also a magician. One thing that I learned, you know, during my travels and moving is, you know, when I moved to, from Iran to Germany, I had to learn German. Mm -hmm. When I went to Germany to United States, I had to learn English. And one language that I knew that everyone had universally was magic. Magic, I didn't know how to, I didn't have to speak English. I just mm -hmm. had to do a card trick and people would light up. So for me, the, 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 the way to be unashamed, uh, unashamedly human perfect, <laughs> is to show up in whichever way that shows up for me is that lights up the world without language, without barriers, without anything, without ju just showing up the way you do. And with me, I, I know it's a metaphor, but magic tends to occur when mm -hmm. we just show up who we are. And for me, it was metaphorical, but it was also really the way that I showed up with people by doing magic. I think that's really, it's really lovely, Amir, that, that you saw that at an early age, you know, sort of how people can communicate without language and how we can light each other up without language, just by sharing something about us that other people will enjoy. It's 
quite a, a selfless thing as well, isn't it, Magic? It's for the other person. Uh, you know what? You're right. It was. I was. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. At first, it was selfish because I wanted to make friends. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're right, though. It was as as I started to do it, I realized it was lighting people up. I have a really funny story. There was a. I remember in junior high, there was a fight between two different sectors. It was the skaters mm-hmm. and the group of Mexican gangs, right? And they're about to fight. It was something that they've been planning for years, or not years, for for the school year, and. Uh, I said, before you get into a fight, I went to the skaters, these group of skaters, and I said, pick a card. And I did this whole trick. And the next thing you know, I had the Hispanic gang members guess the card. They forgot that they were supposed to fight that day. And that's when I realized that there is something really in us that really lights us up. Even when you're about to get into a fight, they were laughing so hard, they couldn't get back into like, all right, we're supposed to be here to have a gang fight. And they actually dispersed and they started talking about the magic trick instead. Mm-hmm. And that's when I went, wow, this is amazing. There is something inside of us that's pretty brilliant. In spite of what we were taught or what we're supposed mm-hmm. to think and all that, it was pretty cool. So yeah, it was selfless in that respect. It was really selfless. I never thought about it like that. Mm. Do you think you, because of the way that you moved around a lot, Amir, do you think that made you more grounded in yourself? Or did it make you insecure? Both. Mm-hmm. I realized that moving all the time was the worst thing in the world. But wherever I went, I was fine again. And so I got to see it over and over again that I'm like, this time it's really bad because I made really good friends. And I'd go move and I would make good friends again. And then it was like, this time it's really bad because I made really good teachers and friends. But everywhere I went, I realized I can make friends. I can make connections again. Mm-hmm. So, so in a way, it was a big life lesson for me because I'm now comfortable knowing that when things change, it'll still be okay. Like literally, I got to experience it firsthand at a young age. So it was a little bit of both, you know. Yeah, I really like that story. I really, really like that story for so many reasons. You know, that, that when we do get to experience things time and time again, it's like we build up this this muscle, this spiritual muscle, this understanding yeah. that just kind of says, yeah, you got this. It's okay. I've been here before. It's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's this time and time again. And it's kind of neat because... Every time I'm okay, it surprises me. There's, it's yet to happen where, whether now it's in my business or with my family or with my child, where I'm like, wow, I don't know how am I going to get through this one. Mm-hmm. We still do. It, it still surprises me that I still get suckered into the idea that this one's going to be different, right? <laughs> Until it proves to you, isn't What, what difference has being a dad made for you? Oh, man. Another, another time where I get to see the love beyond language, like the magic of that, like the, the time I just spent with my daughter and where she just comes to me and holds me because she hasn't seen me for a while. And there's no words for that. There's no words. All the, you know, it's funny because we, you know, both of us as practitioners and principal practitioners, coaches and all that stuff, you know, I, I, I try to every morning try to get really witty in my group about what am I going to say next and things like that. I just wish I could do what my daughter does is go over to somebody and give a little baby hug 
to people mm. and have them experience what that's like, because I'm sure many of us have kids or, you know, are in that situation or space, but I will tell you, can you give me? Sure. When you go. Okay, go. So these my, baby my hugs, <laughs> you, I can see your wife's hair. <laughs> yeah. So my wife's an interior designer. Oh, nice. And she is, uh, she's constantly doing stuff. Um, back to the baby. Yeah. So the, mm. the, the, I'm really appreciating now as I'm getting, as I'm getting older and I have a daughter is the times where I'm starting to see where beyond, beyond conceptual ideas of what life is supposed to look like beyond the ideas we make of what life's supposed to feel like mm. those moments, the glimpses I get with my daughter that shows me that, wow, there is something that's beyond it. This, this experience where if someone told me, well, prove to me how much you love your daughter, there's no way of doing it. Yeah. That would be conceptual. And, and, and I'm getting a lot more comfortable in the, in the experience of love versus the conceptual idea of what love is supposed to be, which has actually really helped me in my coaching business. Yeah, that's so important, Amir, what you've just described, incredibly important. How often we're unaware of the programs and the beliefs and the stories we have of, of what a word means. The expectations we have of another person through our understanding of a word and, you know, whatever memories or our understanding we have of that word. You know, when you spoke about your daughter, it just reminded me of, of my girls when they were little and the absolute presence when you would just hold them or look into their eyes you just fall into this absolutely beautiful space with them. And that's the space that I know that you fall into. I can tell, I can feel it from you, that that's a space that you inhabit when you're coaching. It's a space that I inhabit too, because as human beings, we're not used to being held in that space. We're not used to, to listening to people just to listen. But we're often listening to reply or to solve or to sort whatever's going on. And as you described, your daughter just coming up to you with that pure presence, that pure love. She doesn't want anything from you. Just that connection is oh, heaven. Well, what you just hit, said, you know, hit it on the nail. It's falling into love and falling out of a conceptual idea. Yeah. It's literally falling into, fall. I mean, falling into love. Mm. That's, that's, that's beautiful. That's exactly what it's like. Mm. And at that moment, any ideas of, of anything goes away because you're falling into that love, that space of, of, of pure presence of pure experience that, that, that doesn't need an explanation that doesn't need a solution that doesn't need anything. It's just whatever is there is what's needed. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely mm -hmm. brilliant. What you just said. You'll see that as well, Amir, with the people that you, you, I mean, not only coach, but the people you come into contact with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
you know, people often say to me, oh, Jackie, you're really chilled. And it's like, well, there's not really much going on. <laughs> but, you know, but, but not in a bad way. It's just kind of like, a, you know, I, I don't, you know, sort of go and meet someone and I have all these ideas about them and I'm not thinking about me and I'm not thinking about them and I'm not thinking about where I am. I'm just there. Yeah. And, and, and that's an energy that people feel. You know, and, and people often talk about it being sort of, you know, a state of neutrality, but I just love the word love. Yeah. Presence. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because when I went to my, you know, I work at my recovery center as well. Yeah. And how fitting with, with this podcast, because I, I, I asked my group, what was the most important thing that you've learned? And I was thinking they're going to tell me about mind mm. consciousness and thought and Sid Banks or a Michael Neal video I put up. And virtually everybody in the room said, this is the only hour that I get that I don't have to be an addict, that I can mm. show up as a human where I'm not being told that I have a disease or yeah. I have to make sure I have to do this and this and that. And I have to be careful with myself where no one's telling me that I'm doing life wrong, where I show up here for the hour. We laugh, mm -hmm. we smile, we joke with each other and we leave. And it's, and my, my class is right before lunch. Mm -hmm. And they said, I get to enjoy my lunch without considering myself as a a fuck up or mm -hmm. my parents don't like me or I got to figure my life out. And that to me really just answered the essence of what people are looking for. That's why I've named this podcast unashamedly human Amir, because that's what this understanding has given me that, that I am who I am in any given moment of time. There's no need for me to be afraid of any of my experiences. There's no need for me to be afraid of any conditioning or stories that I have that I haven't seen through yet. And if I understand my own humanity, then I understand where every other sentient being is coming from in any given moment in time. And I love that. I love that it's very difficult to have an opinion about someone who's having you know, a bad day. And I love that I can't put labels in any other human being because I'm only seeing this tiny snapshot of what's in front of me. And, and that information that I'm getting from them while they're in front of me is being filtered and changed. And, you know, my, my brain is, 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 is bringing up memories and it's all being coded and it's not an unfiltered experience unless I don't pay any attention to any of that. And that's the space I think you're speaking to me about, or I know you're speaking to me about with your group, is how lovely to be able to sit with any human being, irrespective of what they look like, their colour, their race, what they're wearing, sit together as human beings and then just fall into that space of being spiritual essence together having a giggle yeah and, and for those that are listening here you know jackie said i, I asked i said is this going to be a uh, like interview she said no it's two people talking in a room in, in 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 my house like you know you have the fireplace going right now and we're just chatting and it's funny because it's so comical to me how i used to think i need to show up as the coach and they need to be the client <laughs> And all this stuff. And I realized the magic stop starts when we stop doing that. Yeah. And we start to go, okay, you're here. I'm here. 
what do you, what do you want to do? Let's just talk. Let's just start something. And, and you said something beautiful. You said in the beginning of this call, I don't know if it was recorded, but you said, you know, what's going to be amazing about this call is I don't know what I'm going to say. And you don't know what you're going to say and things are going to happen and it's going to be beautiful. Like that, that is the essence of, 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 of all of it to me. Mm. It's simple. It's just that. And, and, and it's so funny how many coaches come to me and say, how do I talk to this person? They're a CEO. How do I talk to this person? They're an alcoholic. And I say, well, stop with the labels first. Yeah. How about that? How about you start with talking to the person? Then you don't have to worry about how to talk to them. So it's, I mean, this, this, this is so, the, this whole conversation has just been beautiful for me from, you know, just, just from this. It's so cool. You know, I'm the woman, I, I talk to politicians all the time I'm here and I just give them big hugs, you know, they put their hand out. <laughs> I just give them a big mama hug. <laughs> Most of the time they don't quite know what to do, but, 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 but they're okay with it. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, it's, you know, that's how I greet people, this handshake thing. What is that? That's just not me. I'm not going to do that. You know, it makes me wonder, maybe you can, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. At, at, you know, I'm wondering with my daughter, we're talking about that pure innocence and that love. At what age does that go away where I look at you as an adult? Like, why do we, why, when does that happen for us? Where at some point we make an arbitrary decision to go, mm. they're not pure love. They're X, Y, and Z. They're my daughter or they're my whatever. And now we create these conditions because when I go, go to my recovery center, you know, when, as soon as you said my daughter, I, I see the daughter, I see a daughter, I see a son, I see yeah. a child in each person. But when does that end for people? Why do we stop looking at people like that? I think it happens so slowly, Amir, that it's just, you know, people become busy minded, busy in their lives, conditioned to think that that's the way the world works. And it's innocent. It's all very, very innocent that that's what we do because we think that's the right thing to do. When I, when I started nursing years and years ago, I always remember, you know, part of the nurse training was they told us every patient who's in that bed could be your brother, your father, your uncle, your mother, your sister, your daughter. Treat them with that respect. And that's the way I was brought up anyway, but it, but it just reinforced that whole way of, of accepting anybody for who they are, where they are in any given moment in time and just loving, loving whatever was going on, you know, and, and I nursed for years and years. And then um, I went to work in the corporate sector. I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for, for 35, 37 years. And I got completely lost in here, completely lost. I'd, you know, having children, getting married, deaths in the family, you know, high-flying corporate career, moved house. And I got lost. I lost that understanding. I didn't lose it. It got covered up. It got covered up with all the thinking that I had going on. Because you can't lose this. You can't lose your, your true nature. You just can't. And that was the point in my life where I started to look outside of myself for answers. So that was the point I became a self-help queen. <laughs> you know, every bookstore there was a self-help section. I was in it trying to fix or sort myself. 
And what I love about this understanding that we're speaking about today is that that's not what it's about, is it? No. No. And you said it, I think that's, that's, that's what we forget. It's, uh, it's not lost, it's uncovered, it's covered mm -hmm. and it gets uncovered. And, and, and the beauty of, of the uncovering, unlike so much self-help books, it doesn't have to take years. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to take a lot of self-work. It, it's just a scene. You know, I have people in my recovery groups that have been addicted for so many years to some really heavy drugs. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, I had one of them come back to my group that, that had already graduated. And I asked them how they're doing. They're like, look, once you see it, you can't go back. And mm -hmm. it doesn't even make sense for me to put anything in my body that harms me. Now, now, from a psychological point of view, that's virtually impossible because the drug is really difficult to remove from the body. The addiction is very habitual, right? But one thing that I think that we dismiss in, in our psychology is how resilient we truly are. That's beyond what we can study. Mm. You know, we only, we can study, like, like you mentioned, when we can study people's personality, that's a small bit of who we are. Oh yeah. But behind that personality, there's, there's someone or something that's running the show that's way bigger than who we think we are or whether that's an addict or who we're studying or who we believe we are. And the funny thing is every time they come back and they've seen something, their response is usually simple. I love myself. I love my family. Why would I do this? It doesn't make sense because we're all connected and they start becoming actually very spiritual. They see it from a, a very interesting point of view. And it's mm -hmm. not... You know, I came back and I'm not doing drugs because, you know, it does this to the body. And did you know that when the, you know, when heroin hits your brain, it must, it's just simple things. Like I just see now. And when they come, a lot of the new people, folks that are in my group get very confused. Like, well, what did you do with them? Or how, why, how, <laughs> what are they seeing? And I just tell people, just, just sit back. You know, you have the same gift they do. Just sit back. Don't try to figure it out. That's beautiful. You have the same gift that they have. I like that. I really like that. We're so conditioned, aren't we, Amir, that, that what we're looking for is an intellectual understanding that the minute you say to someone, there's nothing for you to learn because you already know it. Yeah. That, hey, that, I'll tell you what. You know, I, I remember going to Michael Neal's event and he said that that pissed me off because I, I was an NLP <laughs> practitioner. And, you know, there, there, was a, there was a solution for everything. And I was a yeah. hypnotist. You know, and I was the guy in the back always, or actually in the front, I should say, if you ask Michael, I was always in the front raising mm -hmm. my hand. You know, what do you mean just, you know, just let, let things unfold? You know, how do you, what are the strategies to unfolding? Yeah. There's no strategies. And it was so frustrating. And then one day I saw, <laughs> and it's just, I saw it. And it's just like, how did I not see that? I know, I know. And at that point, some people beat themselves up. At that point, other people can't stop laughing. That, that's what happened to me. How mm. funny you mentioned that. I, it, it's just this belly laugh that came out of me that was, it, it is, it's the cosmic joke that <laughs> totally. we're missing. I know. I, I did a, um, a small group retreat with Mike O'Neill and Paul McKenna years and years and years and years ago. And um, part of the, the pre-thing before you went was we were sent a questionnaire and it was, you know, what do you want to happen on this transformational weekend? 
So I had written a big list in there. You know, it was like my fairy godmother, these two guys and my fairy godfathers or mothers, and they were going to sort me out on this weekend. So I'm on the pre-call before before the weekend and I said all of my list, what I wanted changed. And Michael Neal turned around to me and he said, that's the biggest litany of shite I've ever heard in my life, Jackie. <laughs> that was me. I couldn't stop laughing. You know, I should have been really, really upset. But, but, sure. but truth pierced through that in here. And this is what we're talking about, isn't it? That, that when we hear truth, it pierces through us. Irrespective of how we think something should go, you know, like you can go in a course, like you're saying, as and I'm saying too, that that you can have expectations, and your expectations are either met or they're not met. But it doesn't matter because if you hear one thing yeah. that resonates with you, it just pierces through all of that and it falls away. Yeah, and then the opportunity to see truth becomes ever present everywhere, mm. right? Like, you know, we were talking about my daughter because there's truth in, in, in her. There's love in her. You know, we walk in the forest. There's truth mm. in there. There's love in there. There's, I mean, my, in any moment, there, there's that possibility to see truth. And the good news is it's everywhere. Mm. So you can't really do it wrong. You can't mess this up. Right? And that's what's funny is like, even though the, there's no right state of mind to see it. Cause I've seen it when I'm in the worst space, you know, where I was getting sued. I, you know, when I got sued in my business and I thought I'm not going to get out of this and I saw truth in there. I saw some sort of that, that connection. And I, it, it, it's very, it's very interesting how, how, you know, Michael always says the kindness of the design. And I see it more and more every day, the kindness of the design. Yeah, oh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, you know, what we're talking about with this understanding is it's not a life that all of a sudden becomes like you live in Disneyland and you know nothing, nothing bad or, or unhappy happens to you. It's just that you have a different experience of it. You recognise that it is experience, and it's neither good nor bad. It's an experience that helps us evolve as human beings. I remember one of my daughters, Amir, was doing a, a joint degree um, at Glasgow University and she was doing um, psychology and business. And she had really bad flu when she sat one of her exams and she completely failed. And they said to her, well, to continue doing the joint degree, you're going to have to reset that exam. And so she studied all of summer, Amir. I mean, honestly, really, really studied sat the exam and then four days before university started she got a phone call and the phone call said um i'm sorry but you failed because you're doing a joint degree um it's okay you can just continue with psychology and, and drop the business part of it and she was a wee bit upset and then she thought oh you know what that's fine so she got herself organized she decided she'd do the psychology degree with an with a you know a view to going on to do teaching she got herself organised in a little school. She would go in and do volunteer work. She applied to do teaching later on for the postgrad, And then she got herself a little part-time job and she had all her hours sorted. And then the day before university started, they called her and they said, we're really sorry, Megan, there's been an administrative error. You actually passed your exam. And we laughed. I mean, we could not stop laughing. 
And it gave me this opportunity to point out to her that life just keeps giving you lessons. Yeah. That track you were on, you were finding that challenging. And now look where you're being directed. You can either fight against it or you can just go with the flow and see where it takes you. And the beautiful thing is now she's a, um, she's a primary school teacher. Two days a week she works with little kids in their classrooms. And the other three days a week she does nurture. So it's working with the little kids who've got difficult family backgrounds. And she's working to build their confidence and their resilience. And she is loving it. Absolutely loving it. That is, what, what a story. What a, what a wonderful story. This is what life keeps showing us. If we're open to it, you know, there's this, there's this little opportunity of, 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 of either you go down one road or you go down the other. And it's like, okay, I'm going into something here that's going to be uncomfortable, but that's okay. I'm going to see where it goes. It's like having contractions. <laughs> you know? right. Once you go into labor, there's no going, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> right. You have to go with it. And then there's that other road that says, no, I'm going to fight against this. And I used to be a midwife and I saw woman after woman after woman resist the contraction, tighten up, fear, insecure. But the women who just went with the flow had beautiful natural births. Yeah. And I knew nothing about this understanding, but I knew that my body knew more about labor than I did. Just as I know that my spirit knows more about life than I do. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I, I got to see it firsthand with, with my wife. She had a 16-hour natural birth. Mm. And yeah, there was a point where she just, you could see she just said, this out of my hands now. And her body did everything. I mean, mm. it was, it was, it, it, she, she mentioned, it's funny because, 16 hours and I said wow you know uh, you probably never want to do this again she said I'd love to do it again mm. what an experience to see what yeah my body can handle my resiliency the beauty of the design what it's capable of doing why it does the things that it does to make yeah. sure that baby comes out you know and it was like she got I mean to have that kind of experience and to get to see the true strength and resilience of who we are and and the mechanisms that 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 do it for us yeah you know, we're along for the ride but you're right but we we think that surely that's you know it, it, we can create a life before somehow we don't think that we can experience life wholeheartedly with everything you know like we're not equipped mm -hmm. for that how's that you know i i i i think we're equipped for it all absolutely we can bring a life to this world and I think the mo every moment that we we're creating life in this moment, actually, as we're speaking, you know, we forget that, that this life right now, we're creating this experience as we're speaking and we forget that like, mm -hmm. that's a gift. Mm -hmm. That's a gift. That's insane that we forget that. And we dwindle ourselves down to a, no, I'm not creating life. I'm Joe Blow, the guy with low self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's innocent though, isn't it? So innocent that as we grow older, we're schooled, we're educated, we're 
innocently and unconsciously conditioned, we think that's the way that we have to be. And, and, and what I love about this understanding that we're speaking about and this whole kind of awakening journey, this spiritual journey, is the, and I often laugh because the word I want to use is unraveling, but it's so much more gentle. It, it, it really is an unfolding because it's the shedding of who I'm not to become, no, not even to become, because it's, it's, it's being who I am, whoever that is, and being able to witness that this is who I am. Whatever that means. You know, when I was younger, my mom, she would, you know, I, I didn't quite understand it, but she would periodically just start crying. And at mm -hmm. the time she would put on the tape, uh, it wasn't CDs or iPad, iPods back then, you know, it was a cassette tape. She'd go and put the cassette tape in and she'd put on Afghan music and while she's crying, she'd start dancing in the living room. Mm. When I was old, old enough to ask her, what were you doing? She sat me down and told me, you know, she had, I believe, 12 brothers, 13 sisters when she, you know, growing up. But a lot of them got killed in the Russian war in Afghanistan. And she told me, you know, when I put that tape on, when I, when I think about my, 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 my brothers and sisters who were killed in the war, as soon as I put that music on, they're back with me. Hmm. Not, not in the pain, but the joys of us when we used to put the tapes on ourselves and dance when we were children. And even when in a space of what looks to be broken, there is a spirit inside, inside of her. And I got to see it firsthand. Hmm. You know, that music invoked something in her. And instead of seeing the the bad side of life and the bad experiences she got to see in spite of those experiences, her brothers and sisters are just as alive as they were back then. And you could see it in her, you can sense it in her. And to this day, she still does it. She puts on, now it's CD and mm -hmm. I've taught her how to do it on an iPod, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter, right? It's, it's, it's beside the point, but that music is still alive. That is beautiful. But it, but it, oh God, I love that. Because so often what we tend to do is we, we, we as human beings, we, 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 we get to understand our experience through, you know, three basic principles of mind, thought and consciousness, which is essentially just all the one same thing. But it helps us understand what's going on. And it's lovely to be able to look at a memory and recognize that it's just a thought that we're carrying across time and we have an opportunity to see it for what it is when we add our awareness to it and how often do we bring things that cause us pain or distress when there is such a beautiful playfulness with this design yeah. that you can bring forward like your mum did bring back those happy memories but also bring back those sad ones too and see them for what they are. It was an experience that you had and yeah, it probably sucked or, you know, you didn't enjoy it, but it was there to teach you something. And now all that's left of it is that it's basically just a memory filed in your brain. Yeah. 
and you know what 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 in, she intrinsically knew is that she can experience love in real time love can be experienced in real time right that's what i think love is is, is being immersed into experience in real time mm. like that's with me and my daughter as well as soon as she hugs me there is nothing but that love in real time mm. and and that's the essence, you know, when, 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 which, which I find very useful. And I think that's where the principles point to is who we are in real time in this, in this moment to moment and experience. And it turns out when we really look in that direction, we are love in real time mm-hmm. because the only time, you know, even I think Sid Banks said, you know, when they asked him, you know, how can you forgive someone? He said, where were you before you had that thought you need to forgive them about? And before that thought, they were in love in real time because once they started to go, yeah, but they also did this to me and this to me, you're no longer in real time. Yeah. You're in thought, you're in concepts again. Yeah. I call that time traveling. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's beautiful. It's time tra- yeah, when we time travel travel, we tend to get ourselves in trouble at times. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But that, you know, and again, that, that's the whole thing. But there, there's a playfulness to that as well. It's fun to time travel. Of course. To, to go and play in the future and imagine what something could be like or would be like and go back into our past or just be in the present moment. We don't have to... It's not set in stone. I, 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 keep, I keep saying to my girls all the time and, and they see it like you were saying before when you see it you see it you see it you see it again the more that you see it the more that it settles in you the more grounded you become knowing that that's how it works you know and, and, and one of the things for them was you know looking at worrying about things that haven't happened yet you know so being anxious about things that haven't happened yet and you can hope that they see the way that, you know, that Jerry and I are living our life and that they, they've seen that and they've seen that time and time again. Because we've not formally taught the girls this understanding at all because I did try and I got the eye rolling and I thought, you know what, I'll just, I'll just not do that. Because <laughs> they're very sassy and I just couldn't handle the cheek that I was getting from them. But when you hear them repeating to themselves and saying things like, oh, mama started to worry about that, but I'd be worrying twice about something that hasn't happened. Mm. So I just, I went to my bed and I never bothered about it. Because they know when they're tired, they can get things all out of hand. And so that going to sleep or taking a bit of exercise or having some water or having something to eat just resets. Yeah. Helps you reset. Yeah, and and I think that I think it's beautiful what you said. It's not about you shouldn't think about the future or you shouldn't think about the past. Is that there's an infinite ways of looking at the future and an infinite ways of looking at the past. Mm-hmm. One way is by looking at the past and saying, this is who I am because of my past. Another one is because of my past, now I'm, I've done this to myself and I've harmed myself. And another way is, I can look at my past from a playful place and say, wow, this has happened, but it's now something in the memory bank that I can refer to, look into, play with, do whatever I want to with, because it's, it's, it is what it is. Mm. And I think that's something that is really important for, for people to see that 
you're not bound to see the past or the future one way. And I think that's what gets people in trouble. It's my future is going to, if I don't get this done by next week, this is going to happen. How can you possibly know from today till next week, what can possibly happen besides what you are going to make up? That's that, that, that is something that I think that's worth, worth looking into. Oh, absolutely, Amir. And I don't have them on my desk just now, but I've actually got three crystal balls. And normally if a client says to me, you know, Jackie, when do you think I'll understand this understanding? Or when do you think, you know, so-and-so, whatever, I usually get one of my crystal balls out and I look at it and I'm like, that's the clue. (laughs) 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 So I get them all into, you know, the state. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, because... One thing I've always loved about you, Amir, is is your lightheartedness and your playfulness because that's the space I come from. Because this understanding has helped me, or or, or it hasn't helped me, it's just so many concepts, ideas and beliefs that I had about who I was, how I was meant to show up in the world, how everybody else was meant to behave, has just gone. And to be able to laugh at myself... I mean, I've always been quite cool at laughing at myself, but I'm able to do it more often and more heartily now than I ever was. And, and you I know, see that in you. And Jackie, and with what you're saying, you know, love and laughter are synonymous because like I was mentioning, laughter happens in real time. You can't manufacture laughter. Mm-hmm. It's just in that moment, in that presence that it comes out, you have no choice. Right. Mm-hmm. And love, I think, is the same way, because if I tell you a joke and you don't get it and I try to explain the joke to you, there's no real laughter going to come out. It's going to be like, ah, ha, ha, ha. OK, I got yeah. it. But when you see something for yourself and I think that's the other side of, 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 of love, I think, is laughter, to be honest with you, in yeah. the way that I'm seeing it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So. What was it about the recovery center that, that did you decide you wanted to work there? How did you do that? It's funny. Um, I had uh, one of the one of the therapists come to me and wanted to talk to me about writing a book, mm-hmm. and they were so so much in their head about what the book should look like and why aren't they writing it? Are they lazy? And they wanted me to work on his, you know, confidence to write a book and and keep him accountable. And so I just asked him, I said, well, what have you been up to? He said, well, you know, I, he, was, he was a recovering addict himself. And he had just opened up. Not only was, what, did he just graduate and become a licensed marriage and family counselor, he, was also, he had a successful um, photography business. He just, had a, a, just was introduced to his beautiful girlfriend and they just moved in. Mm-hmm. He had so much going on that he forgot that he's already created an incredible life. Yet in this one little aspect, he was, it was the book that was bothering him. And then I said, you know, what a shame that you're so busy trying to write this book that you're forgetting all the beautiful things you've done up to this point. Mm. I said, well, what if you step back and enjoy that for a minute? And when the time comes to write a book, it comes. And he had just a sense of relief. And he just, 
laughed, like we just mm -hmm. said. He just mm -hmm. laughed at the idea that he missed so much of life that he's already accomplished or he's done that he's never would have thought would have been possible from being a drug addict mm -hmm. to being a therapist in a recovery center. Like that's, that's huge. It's huge. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know what, Amir? I would have never thought I came here. I came here to write a book and I'm leaving being okay, not writing one. Mm. And that to me was something that I, that I, I would have never thought I would have had this conversation about with you. And so a couple of days later, he comes back to me and says, you know, we, we've been taught to do strategies. And as a therapist, you know, I just graduated mm. from therapy and there's all these ways to fix the confidence. And, you know, I would have probably found a way to write a book, but I would have probably not been as excited about it, but I would have finished a book unhappily. And he goes, but now I'm not writing a book and I'm the happiest person I've ever been. Go figure. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, could you do what you did with me at my recovery center? For wow. my now, I don't have a background in recovery. I don't have a background in addiction. But he saw something beyond all that. He knew that I wasn't going to speak to them from their addiction or from recovery. Mm. But from something that, that removes the ideas of who we are. He saw that. So he said, would you do that? And I said, I'll try. I'll give it a shot. And, and I've been there almost three years now. That's beautiful. is an experiential understanding isn't it Amir what, what you've just described there is you know here's a guy that works in a place and he's experienced this understanding uncovering his true nature so he then wants other people to experience that yes. through you I, I love that I love how this works you know and in a lot of my work it's been through doing that like working either with with politicians or CEOs or even mums who've got postnatal depression or, or young kids that are self-harming. It's helping them settle into who they are that then gives them permission within themselves to want to share it themselves or to bring someone in to help them do that as part of their journey. You know, the experience is the biggest factor. I'm seeing so many people now in our community that are confused because mm. this person is saying this and that person is saying we should look into this direction. And, you know, I'm getting a lot of emails of people saying, I'm getting lost. This was so simple. I had yeah. experienced it and now I'm getting confused. Am I supposed to look at it this way or that way? And I asked, you know, the only question I asked, I ask people is, what did you experience before you were confused? Yeah. What was that? And they'll, they'll point to the feeling again. And they'll point to the simplicity of it all. And that's the thing. That's the essence of this. And for, you know, people that are listening to this dialogue or another one or whatever, if, if you're getting in your head about it or like, how come I'm not experiencing this? Or why does it seem so easy for Jackie and Amir? Don't worry about it. Just get back into life. It's, it's, it'll ebb and flow. And that's just, that is the experience. That is the point to me. And just look in the direction, you know, of what you already have seen and what you already have. Because that's all you can do. That's all we have. And that's, you know, I, I, I get shocked every week when I go into my recovery center. I go, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> and then, and like you, you, you said in the beginning, I ground myself and I say, 
I don't know, neither do they. And whatever comes out will be beautiful. Yeah. And it always turns out to be just that every single time. Amir, thank you so much for being a guest on the Unashamedly Human podcast. This podcast is designed to point people back to the simplicity of being in life, uncovering their true nature, and being okay with who they are in any given moment of time. And you have just shared from the depths of your soul, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Jackie, I was honored to to be invited here, and thank you so much for having me. And for your listeners, I love you all. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, hopefully we can do this again to see you soon. Hey, you could be larger than life, bigger than the world, living now. Oh, cool.